Honorable members, before we proceed, I would like to remind you that the virtual mini plenary is deemed to be in the precinct of parliament and constitute a meeting of the National Assembly for debating purposes only. <clears throat> in addition to the rules of the virtual sittings, the rules of the National Assembly, including the rules of, of debate apply. Members enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Assembly. <coughs> Members should equally note that anything said in the visual platform is deemed to have been said to the House and may be ruled upon. All members who have logged in shall be considered to be present and are requested to mute their microphones and only unmute when recognized to speak. This is because the mics are very sensitive and will pick up noise which might disturb the attention of other members. When recognized to speak, please unmute your microphone and connect to your video. Members may make use of the icons on the bar at the bottom of, the, of their screens, which has an option that allows a member to put up his hand to raise points of order. The Secretariat will assist in alerting the chairperson to members requesting to speak. When using the visual system, members are urged to refrain or desist from unnecessary points of order or interjections. We shall now proceed to the order, which is debate on vote 11, public service and administration, including vote number seven, national school of government and vote number 12, public service commission appropriation bill. I now recognize the Honorable the Minister for Public for the Public Service and Administration, Maxima. Uh, thank you very much, the uh, House Chairperson, Deputy Minister of Public Service and Administration, Honorable Sindisiwa Chikunga, Ministers, uh, Deputy Ministers, uh, and attendants. Honorable members of parliament, in particular the chair and members of the Portfolio Committee on Public Service and Administration, chairpersons of Public Service Commission and GEMS, our esteemed guests, ladies and gentlemen, the Director General as well as uh, the chair of the APRM of the Governing Council and the chair of um, uh, a Public Sector Education and Training Authority. Fellow South Africans, Dumalang, Honorable House Chair, thank you for the opportunity to present the budget vote for the portfolio. In July 2019, shortly after uh, being appointed, we presented the budget vote of the DPSA, highlighting the key priorities within the department, namely the resistant fault lines in public service administration, full implementation of PAMA, achieving high levels of stability in the public service, fighting corruption, and implementation, including implementation of policy. 
it was clear that we needed to intensify our efforts in identifying opportunities to make progress on the five priorities, but also for more challenges and address them. Overall, the quality of public service requires consistent and sustainable improvement. Our theme this year is towards an ethical, capable and developmental state, a critical look at the public service space. This flows from the president's intervention in 2021, State of the Nation where the president said, I quote, we remain on course to build a capable and professional civil service that delivers on its mandate and is accountable to the South African people. South Africa's aspiration as an ethical, capable and developmental state should be understood in the context of a nation yearning for better life, post-liberation. This resonates well with a consolidated meaning of such as a state with capacity to intervene in the economy, sustainable development, effecting sustainable programs to address unemployment, poverty, underdevelopment, with attention on vulnerable groups in society. We're convinced that all of this is within reach. This is uh, what we mean by a capable, ethical and capable and developmental state. There have been louder, more and uh, more decisive calls for accountability, transparency, improved performance, citizen satisfaction and government legitimacy. This will require a sober and well-balanced approach which will enable us to advance and meet the expectations placed on us by the people of South Africa. Now, public service in South Africa must uh, now rise to the occasion and come of age and be accountable in its own, in its own right. Uh, transformation, the post-apartheid public service had to be transformed from being tailor-made to suit a racist state and its dark objectives to one that would serve our, our newly acquired democracy and put its people first. The transformation has gone relatively well and South Africa has achieved a lot in this regard. Indeed, the general orientation of public service in South Africa today is serving all the people of South Africa without discrimination of any form, but of course, the question that is confronting us today is whether the public service is ethical, whether it has integrity, and whether it is capacitated to serve the needs and interests of a developmental state. That's the challenge of the whole of the public sector in South Africa, inside and outside government. We need to be bold and open to the fact that the image of public service today notwithstanding its general orientation that I've referred to above, is still tainted by a number of negative perceptions, such as low professionalism, low innovation and productivity, low level of skills and qualifications, laziness, 
Hotsuafa Kasatuan incompetence and corruption. Secondly, it still has traits of low capacity to translate public pronouncements into actionable policy and delivery in the interest of the people. The other perception that continues to stigmatize the public service is a subculture of sophisticated capture and corruption. I may as well pose this question to our accounting officers and the managers of uh, supply chain managers. Do all our accounting officers and supply chain managers have resilience against rot and corruption? Is anyone guilty among them? This is the question that they and ourselves need to confront. Honorable House Chair, if the desired impact of a transformed public service is to be felt, the current situation of a declining economy and the state of, of the fiscus need to improve for the better. We are, we, are, we are pointing to the context and the environment in which a transformed public service um, will thrive. Well, there, there, there are a number of interventions that we are implementing to correct all the above situation and to deal with it better. The first intervention that we want to, uh, the, the first intervention of the few that we are going to talk about that we want to highlight is implementation of a single public administration. The three spheres of government are required to provide effective, trans, uh, transparent, accountable and coherent governance in the country. This requires that the spheres respect each other's powers, functions, while striving to work together in a meaningful way to maximize service delivery that has impact on the citizens. South Africa needs a single public administration and single public service. The broad objective of the single public administration and service is to improve state capacity and capability in accordance with the National Development Plan and the objectives of Section 1 and 5 of the Constitution of the Republic. The single public administration does not seek to undermine the distinctiveness of local government as a sphere. Rather, um, rather, uh, um, Yes, it, 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 it doesn't seek to, rather it seeks to improve the manner in which the spheres interrelate and to provide for harmonization of systems, conditions of service and norms between the public service in the national, provincial and provincial sphere on the one hand and the municipalities on the other. And I need to highlight the need to harmonize conditions of service in South Africa as opposed to the fragmentation that we have at the moment. The creation of a single public administration seeks to correct and harmonize unnecessary fragmentation, as it were. To this end, the Public Administration Management Bill facilitates and transforms systems, mechanisms for service delivery to ensure there's a smooth and seamless service delivery at and between all spheres of government through the alignment of human resource governance 
and related arrangements in three spheres of government, uh, which all should result into improved accountability. The second intervention that we are getting into is uh, review, uh, the review of uh, the public service space. There's an urgent need to review the current dispensation in the public service. And in our view, we need a transitional period to a new dispensation. In other words, we need a, a, a period, a couple of months, maybe a year, maybe two, where we rational, rationalize the public space and uh, looking at, 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 at what, what, uh, how it is functioning and what it is delivering, looking at difficulties that we've experienced up to now and review those. But there are four principles that need to underline the envisaged conditions of service. Namely, one, fairness, two, equity, three, affordability, and four, transparency. So whatever we do, these are the principles that will inform us and lead us as we review the public space. The current dispensation does not promote workable relations within the public service space. Instead, it encourages strained relations and unnecessary antagonism. We welcome the idea of a summit on public service on public service in South Africa and are committed to it. Currently, government and organized labor in the public service uh, in, in the public service are in negotiations, and we hope that the parties will find one another. Two, the, the, the four components, apart from, apart from the four principles identified above, our analysis of the public service space is that there are four components that must be considered all the time when grappling with issues of public service, namely, one, the citizens. They are the first law, the citizens of this country. They are the first law. They are alpha. They are omega. The dominant perception of citizens of this country about government about the services they receive and about public servants is not wholly positive and we're worried about this. They also generally do not wholly feature as citizens of this country in the public service space and debates and any other development, except as complainants, as demonstrators, and as victims of one kind or the other, uh, of many negative social forces. This needs to be corrected. Citizens of this country need to, to occupy their legitimate space in the public service. And, 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 and we need to hear their voices and they need to make their presence felt in a positive way in the public service space. Two, the second component is government. Government's main currency is legitimacy honesty, trust, accountability, and delivery on undertakings of these. Government needs to feature most positively in the, public, in, the, in the public service space. If government loses legitimacy, for instance, it loses honesty, it loses trust, and it loses accountability, and it doesn't deliver uh, on its undertakings, then it, 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 it ceases to be um, recognized, to be recognizable, and it loses its currency. That's what we're saying. And the third component is, are the services themselves. 
which and the services are are the content of the contract between the citizens and their government. So people elect their government and the government comes into office and then there's a, a contract whose content is the services that will be rendered by government to the citizens. And these need to be measured both in extent and quality, but currently they are just a mixed bag. In other words, there are negatives, there are positives, and they're characterized among others by negativity in relation to services to the poor, needy and vulnerable. In other words, services, the, the people who are uh, vulnerable and are poor are kind of shortchanged in a way. The last component of the public service, so the fourth component of the public, of, 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 in the public space is the public servants themselves. While certain negative perceptions exist and persist, about, about public servants. As I alluded to earlier on, it is correct to say that in practice and in reality, the majority of public servants in South Africa are hardworking. They are honest, they are dedicated, and uh, they, they service their people with uh, um, uh, uh, every attention that this work requires. And we want to encourage this, this positive, positive attributes of public, of public servants in the country. And we want, to, we want those that are good, those that are dedicated to distance themselves and distance public service um, from those who are prone to wrongdoing. We would want to state for the record that we do not have overall a bloated public service in South Africa. However, we need to address the issue of the public wish bill um, and increase the number of public servants in some sectors like education, police, and, and health, to count a few. The next intervention is, is uh, around government employees housing scheme. The current government uh, employee employees housing scheme remains a challenge, especially in relation to the following one. It currently only benefits just above 300,000 public servants, where it could be benefit, benefiting even more, and we want uh, uh, to recruit more. But although the, the, although the scheme was initiated with good intentions, it doesn't have favorable provi provisions with regards to loans, terms of repayment, and interest rates. It is not designed to accommodate various problematic financial situations in which various public servants find themselves in. It doesn't address other various needs such as temporal accommodation as a result of work and so on. Now, terms in relation to other stakeholders are also problematic as they obtain now. What we are doing currently is that the department is embarking on corrective measures in this regard, and the matter will be discussed very soon at the PSCPC um, so that all current weaknesses and gaps are addressed and we come with a better uh, and a uh, dispensation in terms of the uh, uh, in terms of the scheme uh, and that one that would be catering for the interests of uh, public servants so the the next intervention is on human resource development strategic framework the overall objective of the human resource uh, development strategic framework that uh, we are introducing is to contribute towards the achievement of an ethical capable and developmental state 
through the establishment of policies, structures, operational policies, processes necessary for development for developing capable and, and high-performing employees. It aims to encore and focus the various interventions by departments aimed at building the capacity of public servants by providing direction in the form of key strategic objectives, key focus areas, potential activities which can be undertaken to achieve the objectives and expected performance indicators which will manifest when the framework is implemented as envisaged. Currently, we're consulting on the framework and in two months, it will be presented to cabinet. Next issue is public service amendment bill. The constitution of the Republic 1996 provides that within the public administration, there's a public service, which must inter alia be structured in terms of national legislation. The Public Service Act dates back to 1994, and, 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 and whilst there have been amendments to it, the ever-evolving times we live in necessitates the need to have a complete review of legal prescripts which govern the public service. Some of the areas currently addressed in the Public Service Amend Amendment Bill include augmentation of the functions of the Director General and the Presidency to include functions and research in the NTP, for an administrative head of public service, powers assigned to executive authorities and heads of departments, and, and uh, an amendment to Section 38 to provide alternative mechanism for departments to lawfully deduct overpaid remuneration from uh, employees' salary where such occur. The next intervention is via the Auditor General's Office. Financial misconduct arising from corruption fraud, fruitless, fruitless, wasteful and irregular expenditure and theft need to be addressed and kept once and for all in South Africa. To this end, we expect the Auditor General to assert their position and intensify their actions as empowered by the Public Audit Act. We cannot continue to have these negative um, actualities uh, characterizing our government. Over and above this expectation is that all executive authorities, that is ministers and uh, deputy ministers and um, MECs will take responsibility for their audit outcomes and apply the relevant consequence management processes because of fruitless, wasteful, and irregular expenditure. Uh, and it's no longer a rhetoric. There has to be consequence and we'll make sure that there are consequences. As a lead department in compliance matters, we are happy to report to this house that we achieved a clean audit in the past financial year in all our components. Discipline management is another intervention with effect from 1 April 2019 through a proclamation issued by the President of the Republic, Section 15 of PAMA became operational resulting in the establishment of the public administration, ethics, integrity, and disciplinary technical assistance unit, DAO, which is tasked with, amongst other things, building capacity with institutions to initiate and institute disciplinary proceedings into misconduct by public servants. Two critical and recent contributions by the unit include the rollout of the guide to implement lifestyle audits in the public service and the guide on managing discipline 
in the public service. In addition, we have established the disciplinary, the discipline management hotline as an initiative to assist both employees and departments to manage discipline matters. And tomorrow we'll be dealing with the analysis of the hotline up to now, and so that we act on what has come via the hotline. Outcomes, what are the expected outcomes for all these interventions and others? Generally, we, we, we are expecting that these outcomes, these uh, interventions will maximize uh, good practices in the, in the public service. We want to promote good practices and maintain and manage those. Optimization on efficiency, a balance between improvements in, in conditions of service and service delivery to the citizens, an achievement of a sustainable budget to, to, to accomplish government's economic recovery plan. Impact of, of COVID on delivery of services. COVID-19 has taught us a number of valuable lessons. Firstly, it has shown us the capacity, the capability of public servants. In that more work can be done with a lesser staff complement, but also officials are able to work from home. Evidence in that equipping public servants with, with relevant tools of trade is a vital and beneficial investment. One of the biggest weaknesses we have discovered is that lack of a, a remote working policy uh, that one that will ensure regularity of this aspect in the public service, even beyond COVID-19. The public is, is at work. The department is at work compiling such policy. In addition uh, to this, one of the other lessons is the need to fast track our technological advances, given the progression of 4R uh, uh, or the fourth industrial revolution. Honorable Chairperson, I want now to go to APRM. South Africa is a member state of the African Peer Review Mechanism, APRM, and is currently and is currently the chair of the APRM uh, and, and has the Minister of Public Service and Administration serving as chair of the APR Committee of the Focal Points. Most member states. In other words, um, the APRM chair in the, in the continent is the president of the Republic and uh, uh, the minister is the APR uh, uh, chair of the committee of focal points in the continent. So most member states in the continent have embraced the mechanism with the democratic of the Republic of Congo becoming the 41st member state to voluntarily accede to the mechanism was striving for universal accession by 2023. And this we are on the drive and are hoping that it will happen. Back home, the National Governing Council, NGC, is fully functional and has developed the draft of the, the country's self-assessment report. Consultations on the APRM-based report that was adopted by the National Governing Council on 17 March 2021 are currently underway to ensure that South Africa completes its second generation country review process by the end of this financial year. The other program of the DPSA is the e-government services and information management, which the Deputy Minister will deal with later. The Deputy Minister will also reflect on other entities that support the work of the department. The National School of Government, in addition, in, in the effort 
in an effort to improve the capacity of public servants, the mandate of the, of the uh, National School of Government was expanded to the three spheres of government, state-owned enterprises, and as, uh, and as well as to the legislative sector. As a strategy, the LSG has sought to partner with a number of public higher education institutions, and there's a lot of progress. The LSG is implementing a service delivery model and is in the process of developing a service delivery charter to confirm its commitments and standards to service delivery. New innovative features that the NSG has introduced are webinars, which are gaining popularity among public servants as well as the master classes. It was a proud moment for the ministry and the NSG itself when the first time and when for the first time a sitting president and a number of ministers and deputy ministers attended the master class held by the NSG. This event was televised live on national television. Of course. National School of Government, and, and we're proud of it. The future positioning of the NSG points to a digital future, fast-tracked by efforts of the COVID-19 pandemic. The NSG is now at a point of no return, mindful of the fact that many public servants may not be able to access digital learning, the NSG is continuing to pursue interventions for zero rating applications for its online progress programs. This is appreciated. With regard to professionalism okay, uh, of the public service, I wish to inform that the cabinet approved the publication of the draft implementation, implementation framework on, the, on, on November 2020, and it was consequently published for public comments, and the work is continuing in this regard. Thank you very public much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, the next speaker is the Honorable T.H. James from the ANC. Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, the National Development Plan charges us with the responsibility to work towards building a developmental state that seeks to effect economic transformation, reduce inequality, digitalize the economy, ensure the state participation in strategic sectors and partnership with the private sector, and the advance of the employment, particularly of women and the youth. The ANC is deeply committed in the vision for a capable and developmental state, which is characterized by a capable, autonomous meritocracy, political leadership orientated towards development, a close and often mutual beneficial symbiotic relationship between some state agencies and market forces, and successful policy intervention that promote growth. Transforming South Africa into a developmental state will require building critical and necessary capabilities to foster an environment which mobilizes government and non-government contribution to realize changes in the socioeconomic structures and the culture of society. 
Furthermore, we must ensure that the political administrative interface is managed effectively, combat fraud and corruption in the public and private sectors, and provide a clear rationale for public service governance systems. We remain committed to the implementation of the steps that were identified in the IDP and to promote the values and principles of public administration as enshrined in the constitution. Furthermore, the NDP highlights the need for a well-run and effectively coordinated state institution with skilled public servants who are committed to the public good and capable of delivering consistently high quality services while prioritizing the nation's development objective. Building human capital through the development and retention of a qualified and capable public service is important for the developmental state because it allows it to pursue its developmental objectives in order to foster sustainable and more inclusive growth. A capable public service also has the ability to be innovative and resolve modern day challenges in a manner that saves time, energy, and resources. This means that we can foster a culture of specialization and focus on maximizing areas where the public service has a competitive advantage. With a public service, with a capable public service, the limited resources of government will be channeled towards better service delivery and pursuit of developmental objectives. Honorable members, unevenness in capacity tends to lead to uneven performance in the public service. This unevenness is caused by a complex set of factors, including tensions in the political administrative interface, instability of administrative leadership, skills deficit, insufficient attention to the role of the state in reproducing the skills it needs, the erosion of accountability and authority, poverty, poor organizational design, and lower start morale. Steps are needed to strengthen skills, enhance morale, clarify lines of accountability, and build an ethos of public service. These steps are guided by the need for long-term policy stability, as well as awareness of potentially adverse effects of overregulation. In 2016, the department developed the public administration management regulations on conducting business with the state, the disclosure of financial interest and setting up the ethics, integrity, and discipline, technical assistant units, 
as well as Office of the Standards and Compliance Regulation in terms of Section 18 of PAM. We must commend the department for the new and improved Z83 form, which came into effect this year. This new system limits those who are doing business with the state from being in the public service. There is also a need for an e-enabled system for self-diagnosis and compliance audit towards measurement instruments of the Office of the Standards and Compliance. The organizational functionality assessment tool is being consolidated to measure institutional governance as well as organizational administration. With the global di digitalization clearly indicating that the public administration is mostly affected by the fourth industrial revolution trends owing to the old and often outdated ways of thinking, work and policies, the department will be leading digital transformation of the public service. Some of the key intervention in this regard will include developing the required prescripts to enable and support the digital transformation of the public administration. This will ensure that government is a key economic enabler and player that possibly, that positively benefits from digitalization. Improvement in service delivery will always requires adherence to Batupili policy and the public service charter and strict monitoring thereof. In addressing the gaps and weaknesses, the department will over the MTFF period institutionalize a number of integrated innovations, which include among others, the strengthening of the implementation of the operations management framework and service delivery improvement plans, as well as a revised program to strengthen the implementation of the Abatupili program. Honorable members, the development and retention of skills should be an apex priority if we want to build an efficient, and effective public service. This has been a challenge in our case. There is a need to improve on the monitoring and evaluation of capacity to ensure that state institutions are well run and effectively coordinated. They must be managed by professionals who are committed to the goals of the developmental states and are capable of delivering services consistently and reliably in high quality. Accordingly, the strategic focus of the department for 2021-2022 include, among other things, developing regulations to enable the full implementation of Public Administration and Management Act, reviewing the Public Service Act, and related policies where required, which will be done concurrently 
with the Department of the Single Public Service Ad Administration Bill, improving the implementation of the Batupili principles by ensuring that there are measurable standards in place, fighting corruption by inculcating a culture of accountability, ethical and professional standards of all civil servants, as well as strengthening discipline management within the public service. The implementation of these strategic priorities will improve service delivery, and parliament oversight can ensure that these priorities are implemented. Honorable members, this budget comes against the backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic, in which not only the lives and the health of our people is placed at risk, but also our economic uh, situation has worsened globally. This has called and created a need for a responsive government, which is able to address the various demands for services at all levels of the public service. This budget, in our view, is appreciative of the context of the COVID-19 pandemic and attempts to report response to that. As the ANC, we are deeply concerned about the economic situation muted by the realities of COVID-19, in which statistics South Africa reported that in the second quarter of 2020, about 2.2 million people lost their jobs. The ultimate impact of this is that it will shrink the resources in the government and will have to resort to other alternatives, such as the budget cuts and borrowing from capital markets in order to stay afloat, and we will struggle maintaining the public service. It is in that context that we welcome this budget. The department's overall budget allocation for 2021-2022 is 526,2 million compared to the adjusted allocation of 468,9 million after the advent of COVID-19 pandemic in March 2020. We are heightened by the fact that the main cost drivers of the department are administration, followed by government services access and improvement and negotiations labor relations and remuneration management. This will, will significantly increase capacity in the public service and bring about stability. The increase in allocation towards program three, which is given 99.1 million rand increase from the previous allocation of 69 million in June 2020, 2021. This increase by 30,1 million is a good sign that there is commitment to addressing contradictions Thanks. in the way negotiations. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. The ANC supports the budget vote level. Thank you, Honorable Member. Uh, from the DA, the Honorable L.A. Scraper. 
Thank you, Chairperson. Chair, if there's one thing South Africa certainly does not want for, it is politicians who can deliver ongoing and long-winded speeches about how South Africa will soon, soon be turned into the land of milk and honey overnight. That is exactly what we just heard from Minister Mkunu, who promised us for the upteenth time that this time around, it will not just be empty rhetoric. This current administration, which came to power in May 2019, is entirely built on telling people what they want to hear. In the two years since that election, all we have heard about is bullet trains and smart cities, about corruption cleanups and a professional public service. We have read thousands of words in the president's newsletters. We have heard hundreds of promises from Minister Mkunu. In fact, if words were all it took to fill the bellies of hungry children and the bank accounts of the people, South Africa would be heaven on earth. But sadly, people cannot eat words. They cannot pay their home loans with promises. And flowery prose is of little use against an armed criminal. This government will soon find that words can only go so far. As South Africans look around them every day, they ask themselves, what has actually gotten done since this administration took office? As the echo of empty promises slowly fades from their ears, they see only growing hardship and increasing corruption. They see that nothing gets done in South Africa anymore. In ANC-run municipalities, they see potholes that swallow up vehicles whole and sewerage running down their streets. They see businesses shutting down because the government monopoly cannot turn coal into electricity. It's all a far cry from the glittering vision promised by that false dawn. The same applies to the public service. Two years later, we still hear the same endless pledges to fight corruption and professionalize the civil service. Two years later, we still hear the same promises to reduce a gigantic public sector wage bill that threatens to sink our economy. But what has actually gotten done? Just yesterday, the DA revealed that nine out of every 10 officials flagged for corruption by the Public Service Commission last year got away scot-free. Nothing ever gets done. While the government talks in ever more desperate tones on supposedly professionalizing the civil service, President Ramaphosa last month doubled down on the evil policy of cater deployment in front of the Zondo Commission. Nothing ever gets done. And we still hear during every budget speech about the supposed commitment to reducing the public sector wage bill. Yet in reality, that commitment shriveled up and died faster than Minister Mbaweni's poor aloe. At the start of this week, we learned that the ANC has caved to their radical union allies, as we always knew they would. Instead of long promised cuts to the wage bill, they now plan to increase the wage bill by at least 15.6 billion rand. Nothing ever gets done. The gap between this government's rhetoric and the South African reality has become a gaping chasm. When you cut through all of the hot air that wafts out of the union buildings, the reality is clear. This government is incapable of getting anything done. It's like they're trapped in another universe where simply promising something automatically gets it done. But on this side of the veil, we all know that's not how life works. Things get done through a process that must seem almost like magic to the ANC, whereby hard work turns words into concrete results. The good news for South Africa is that everyone knows there is one party in this country that does get things done. That party runs the only financially sustainable city in the country. 
That party runs the only province in South Africa that is moving forward rather than backwards. That party ensures that competent people are employed to collect your rubbish on time, fix the potholes in your street, and make sure that there is running water in your taps. That party, the party that gets things done, is called the Democratic Alliance. The DA is a party on the move that is now looking to get even more done than ever before. Just like we get basic service delivery done in municipalities, the DA is also the only party that is determined to end load shedding, restore public transport, and unleash the power of private enterprise where we govern. Chairperson, because we are the only party with a proven record of delivery, the DA is also the only party that can get the reforms done that our public sector so desperately needs. While the president defends cater deployment at every opportunity he gets, the DA has already drafted the end cater deployment bill. This bill, which is currently out for public consultation, has received overwhelming support. Hundreds of South Africans have written submissions and thousands have voiced their support through a public petition. I want to make it very clear to this House today that we will not relent in our fight against this evil system, which is the very foundation of state capture. I also invite everyone to keep an eye on their favorite newspapers over the coming days for proof of just how committed the DA is to getting the eradication of cater deployment done. The DA also has a plan to get cuts to the wage bill done. Instead of appeasing union radicals at the cost of bankrupting South Africa, we have already sent our alternative proposal to Minister Mkunu. Rather than continuing to reward millionaire cadres who do little more than sit in air-conditioned offices all day, we would get it done by protecting frontline service delivery workers while still reducing the wage bill by 168 billion rand. This is the only way to get cuts to the wage bill done in a fair, just, and sustainable way. Chairperson, they say that lovers of words have no place where hard work needs to be done. It is common cause that few would ever compete with our current president and his cabinet in their passionate love for words. But it is also clear that this government has no place where things actually need to get done. To South Africans, I want to say, by all means, Go out there and enjoy the factional freak show playing out in the ANC. Giggle at their empty promises and speeches filled with Soviet-era jargon. In fact, go out and enjoy the weird and wonderful panoply of empty words offered by all other political parties in South Africa. I would never begrudge anyone such quality entertainment. But just remember that when you drive home from a long day of listening to all that noise, you will want to do so on roads that are paved, or on trains that still have tracks beneath them. When you get home, you will want to open the tap and switch on the oven to cook dinner for your family. Just remember that words will not help you achieve any of that. Words do not fix roads, generate electricity, or grow the economy. Only a government that gets, done can, gets things done can do that. If you want to actually get things done, if you want your rubbish picked up, electricity in your home, and a competent public service free from cater deployment, then the DA is the party for you. Because where all the others only talk, we get things done. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mrs. Graber. From the EFF, the Honorable Motsepe. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson and all the mighty economic freedom fighters. Chairperson, the Department of Public Services and Administration 
no longer exist for the purpose and mandate which it was intended for at the beginning. They are always told that the ruling party is working hard to create a developmental state, but all we see is a ruling party working hard to steal our tax money while state capacity degenerate. Public servants, we trained and capable of delivery of services are forced to push tenders papers every day while majority of the work is outsourced to contractors and consultants. We have a state that occupies itself tender papers every day. We have more than 2,1 million public servants and the majority of these people are occupied with tenders. Some will even forget the training they received. These are the very same tenders that comrades in the ruling party did to their friends and families. The EFF has provi provided clear, practical, and contingent plan on what is to be done to reposition the public service. And this is informed by our cardinal pillars number three, which is building enough state and government capacity, which will lead to the abolishment of tenders. This is the only way we will rebuild our healthcare system our education system. This is the only way we will rebuild government public works to fix road system, clean our streets, manage our dam site, rebuild emergency and medical services system. We will rebuild our government, a socialist government, that will lead by workers, serve workers and ensure service delivery. Our people have seen enough. They have waited long enough and they deserve a public service that work. We need to begin this work now. We must begin this work by insourcing security services, cleaning services, gardening services, general maintenance of buildings and refurbishment. We must insource catering services in correctional services, hospitals and for school nutrition programs. We must insource all government transport services for hospital patients transport and all other transport services. We must insource all information technology services, auditing services, administration services, and many other services that will allow workers to receive salaries and indignity. The minister, in the minister is misguided to suggest that government does not have money. It is foolish and workers should not listen to this limited understanding of how economic and banking works. The government must pay workers for what was agreed in the past. We cannot allow such undermining labor bargaining resolution. Once government has paid what was agreed, workers must not accept no salary increase. There must be salary increase for workers and for the good of economy. We know that union negotiating are compromised and we call on workers to be vigilant. 
Workers must be vigilant. Workers must get a salary in school fees, electricity, and all other services have increased, and they cannot afford to live in a salary of 2010 in 2021. We are not going to say much about the so-called National School of Government. We are aware that there are people who have created a nice space for themselves and their friends to continue to earn monies by monies they, they don't deserve. We are aware of contracts that are discussed at the home and advertised when they are already awarded. Many of these are awarded to former white government officials. The only way to get rid of this is through building the state capacity. So the EFF rejected this budget. I thank you. Thank you very much, honorable member. Uh, the next speaker is from the IFP, Honorable thank Tlebeku. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, I will do it on behalf of Honorable Tlebekulu. He's having some problem. He's having some problems. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, uh, you know, I didn't want to do this, but uh, because another Honorable Member has been referring to elections, the Honorable Shriver, and we know elections are a few months away from us now, and we all suffer from a disease called electitis. I think he must be more selective when he chooses his uh, battles with political parties that are not uh, succeeding in governance. Because he says, you know, empty words by all other political parties in South Africa. Service delivery is only given by the, uh, by the DA. I just want to remind him that the IFP is also in control of many municipalities and service delivery is par excellence. And I think the by-election results of yesterday prove uh, who's on the lose, losing side and who's on the winning side. Because the IFP has done extremely well, uh, winning its wards that it had, and even taking a ward from the ruling party ANC in Pongolo, which means we are going to control that municipality soon. So I'm just reminding him, probably as a new MP, just choose your parties carefully when you, when you, when, when you say some of these things in public. So I want you to get the records right. Secondly, uh, Honorable Chairperson, uh, on behalf of Prince Mangosutu Butelezi and the IFP caucus, we want to offer our sincere condolences on the passing of Professor Sangweni, uh, who was described as an outstanding public servant. And we know that he was a, a retired chairperson of the Public Service Commission, the debate we are having today, from 1994 to 2009. May his soul rest in peace, and may the soul of Honorable Tongwane, our colleague, rest in peace as well. Chairperson, the fight against the COVID-19 pandemic has placed an uh, economic strain on our resources. However, it cannot be used as an excuse for failing to use available government funds effectively and economically as our government is constitutionally mandated to do. We therefore need to carefully analyze how these resources are used to serve the public in these strenuous times. The National School of Governance's funding has been severely impacted by the pandemic. The NSG's education, training, and development initiatives fulfill an important role in providing public servants with desperately needed human resource skills. According to the Auditor General's consolidated report, the human resource management of 39% of government departments was still of concern. We therefore cannot allow the NSG's training program to be compromised, and we would support the committee's recommendation that the NSG should continue to engage National Treasury 
on exploring alternative funding models and especially use e-online resources effectively and efficiently to provide their training programs. Honorable Chairperson, the Honorable Minister uh, mentioned, uh, spoke about auditing. Now, it, 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 it is a shame that we get such a kind of audit reports from many of our government departments and municipalities, unqualified disclaimers, adverse reports, because Minister, you should ensure that we have something called an administration service, like in India, where they have an Indian administration service. All civil servants have to get a degree there, but particularly in the financial sector. Many of these uh, reports are because officials are not doing the basic job right in the financial department. So please, Minister, focus on financial training in these schools. I think it will get better audit results. As far as the, uh, the budget of the department, we need to remind ourselves of this department's mandate yet again. The department is mandated to put in place mechanisms and structures to support departments and importantly develop their professional ethos. However, the department is glaringly slow to put in place such mechanisms and structures. The department has been assigned to develop guidelines for lifestyle audits in the public service. Hasn't been done. The development of such guidelines has been talked about for years. This was already a subject of discussion in the debate on the state of the nation address in parliament in 2018. This cannot simply be further delayed, Honorable Chairperson. Honorable members, Honorable Chair, the Public Service Commission's custodial oversight of public service is critical in ensuring that public administration adheres to constitutional principles. It is therefore imperative that the draft Public Service Commission bill, which was recently published by the Minister for Public Comment, should be fast-tracked. We support the recommendation that this should happen. Lastly, Honorable Chairperson, we need to remind ourselves that the cost of corruption and misgovernance is felt deepest by our most vulnerable citizens who are highly dependent on a functioning government for the most basic services. We cannot allow any loopholes in enforcing accountability in the public sector. We will support this budget because we believe that this department has a lot of work to do in training our public servants adequately. And we wish them well in the negotiation, the wage negotiations. And we hope both parties work in the interest of the country at large. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Singh. Uh, the next speaker is from the FF Plus, the Honorable Dana, as I hand over to the chairperson, Masaule. Are you ready, sir? Thank you, Honorable House Chair. Honorable House Chairperson, just as what we are doing here today has its origin in legislation and most importantly the constitution of our republic, so does the values and principles that must ultimately govern public administration. Section 195 of the constitution lists as necessary the following values and principles. A high standard of professional ethics that must be promoted and maintained, efficient economic and effective use of resources, transparency that must be promoted by providing the public with timely, accessible and accurate information, and equally, if not most important, public administration must be accountable, to name but a few. These values and principles apply to every sphere of government, organs of state and state-owned entities. Constitutional values and principles on all level of public administration are not negotiable and should be present, promoted and maintained. This is fact. But does it happen in the public service 
or is the government treating the constitution of South Africa as a mere guideline on which the preambles and introductions of reports and legislation can be based only to be forgotten the moment it comes to implementation and practice thereof. Voorzitter, die feite spreek vanself. Staatsamtenare wat bezigheid met die staat doen is aan die toeneem. Hoewel die departement van staatsdienst en administratie gereeld verslag doen oor pogings om hierdie gevraagde praktijk hoek te slaan, kom daar meestal dadels van. Die nommers is aan die toeneem. Gerapporteerde gevalle neem toe en dit is net die wat van ons weet. In hierdie geval is daar dis min van die sogenaamde hoë standaard en professionele etiek wat van die openbare administratie verwacht word te sien. The promotion of transparency by providing the public with timely, accessible and accurate information leaves much to be desired in practice. Self-set performance targets by departments, half-baked explanations for non-performance and non-compliance, the dragging of feet by departments and municipalities with the provision of information to the public, which should be readily available even upon request in terms of promotion of access to information legislation, and the quality of socio-economic impact assessments by department signed off by the DPME is reprehensible. Verantwoordbaarheid van die openbare sector, oftewel die tekort daaraan, is een van die hoofredes vir die chaotiese toestand waarin die land en specifiek dienstlevering aan gewone Zuid-Afrikaners tans verkeer. Chairperson, if the DPSA addresses only the lack of accountability and consequence management in the public service, it will be the first and probably the most important step toward improving government efficiency and service delivery. Die huidige loongeskil en dreigende openbare sektorstaking as gevolg daarvan is die meest ongewense situasie moendlik vir die tyd waarin die land omself tans bevind. Die loongeskil, wat grootliks in die eerste plek veroorzaak is, dier onderdachte massa aanstellings in, in departemente en tweedens lafhartige loononderhandelinge, het nou die algehele gebrek aan verstandige regering in Suid-Afrika tot die spits gedruif. Zuid-Afrika kan nie een massastaking bekostig nie. Nog minder kan die fiskus dit bekostig om aan vakbondvereistes van 8,3% verhooging te voldoen. Die huidige aanbod van 1,5% dier die bankverhooging met die additionele kontantbetaling van 978 is onsinvol en sal dit meer sin maak om sleetelstaatsambtenare die wat rechtige verskil maak soos dokters, verpleegsters, politie, onderwijsers, maatskapelike werkers en dies meer volgens verdienste te vergoed. Hierdie staatsdienstwerkers is onmisbaar en moet so behandel word. Besnoeiings moet eerder in departementen gedoen word, waar haar directeere vir directeere, adjente vir adjente en persoonlijke assistente vir persoonlijke assistente is. Achbare voorzitter, die prioriteite van hierdie regering is verkeerd. Merite en verantwoordbaarheid is onbekende begrippe vir die ANC. En alvorens dit nie aangespreek word nie, sal hulle ons verder saamsleep op die pad na verval. Ek dankie voorzitter. Thank you. The Deputy Minister. Honorable House Chairperson, Minister for Public Service and Administration, Honorable Sansom Tunu, Honorable Members of Parliament, in particular the Chairperson and members of the Portfolio Committee. Deputy Minister, my apology. 
the Kaulezi look fuck. Mr. Dana did or oh, is finished? Okay, sorry, Deputy Minister. So, do I start afresh? Okay, thank you very much, Honorable House Chairperson, Minister for Public Service and Administration, Honorable Senzo Mtunu, Honorable Members of Parliament, in particular the Chairperson and Members of the Portfolio Committee on Public Service and Administration, our honored public servants, fellow South Africans. The year 2021 was declared as the year for Mayor Charlotte Makreke, who would have turned 150 years this year had she lived. We pose to remember this outstanding, proudly African daughter of the soil. To date, we are still holding the baton and are committed to address the imbalances of the historic past. Together, we are growing South Africa by building a capable, capacitated, ethical, professional and developmental state, which will bring a better life to all South Africans. The Honorable Members, the Honorable Minister Senzo Mtunu has comprehensively outlined the priorities we would be implementing this, this financial year. The COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted public service systemic challenges that warrant a paradigm shift on the use of conventional models in delivering services. It brought to the fore the reality of the fourth industrial revolution and the need to move with speed in the implementation of e-government and ICT-related solutions to fast-track service delivery. The pandemic has taught us the importance of improved evidence-based decision-making and made government more responsive-driven. And most importantly, it has highlighted the endless dynamism and possibilities in the use of technology and innovation, which knows no boundaries, time, and distance. Honorable members, South Africa's e-government policy framework proposes the use of ICT to improve government's efficacy in dealing in delivering services. In this financial year, 2021-22, the department will focus on the digital transformation change management strategy, the goal of which is to implement processes, tools, and techniques to manage the people's side of change arising from introducing IT in a business environment. The priority will be given to business process re-engineering interventions aimed to harness and manage the vast data estate already in our possession, which will be used as raw material for the fourth industrial revolution. The business process will assist to improve decision-making in, in the public service. Appropriate regulatory frameworks will be introduced to facilitate the above. To achieve the above, for the financial year, an amount of 35.8 million rand has been allocated. Based on the studies done by the DPSA in the 2018-19 financial year, government spending on ICT was 38 billion rand. Arising from this study is the need to explore various ways in which maximum benefit and value for money can be obtained from leveraging of ICT in the public service. House Chair, among the successes, we have introduced electronic payslips to about 20 national departments and 30 provincial departments. That is KZN, Western Cape and Limpopo. This has led to the saving of 4.7 million rand per quarter. We project saving of a savings of more than 100 million rand over the MTEF period by ensuring that all departments adopt this innovation. Honorable House Chairman, since its inception 15 years ago, the Government Employees Medical Scheme, GEMS, has continued to grow and has become the second largest medical scheme and the largest closed medical scheme 
in the country. To date, GEMS has 751,000 registered principal members and covers over 1.9 million beneficiaries. This growth occurred despite the adverse economic conditions brought about by the pandemic and the general decline in membership in the industry. GEMS paid around 3.2 billion rand towards COVID-19 related costs for its members by the end of 2020 financial year. This figure rose to 4.7 billion by the billion rand by the end of March 2021. The scheme reported a surplus of almost 5.6 billion rand for the 2020 financial year and increased its reserve ratio to 42.06% when compared to Council for Medical Schemes target of 22.7%. Accumulated funds increased to 18.6 billion rand in 2020 honorable scraper. This must be interpreted in the context of the reduced utilization of some of the usual healthcare services during the pandemic lockdown. However, the unpredictable COVID-19 related costs were covered in full. It is anticipated that the reserves will reduce significantly during 2021 as a result of the possibility of a third wave of the pandemic and the estimated spend on vaccination cost. As per cabinet mandate from the 17th May 2021, GEMS assumed the responsibility to lead the vaccination program for public service employees and their dependents. This workplace vaccination program is part of the phase two vaccination rollout efforts aimed to reach herd immunity. The scheme has also maintained, maintained its track record of unqualified audit, audits since inception, including 2020 financial year. Honorable members, the Board of Trustees has now adopted a new strategy where almost all of GEM services will be insourced. The Insourcing Capabilities Program will enable GEMS to develop a bespoke healthcare ecosystem that will position GEMS as an integral component of driving transformation of the South African healthcare industry in line with the requirements of the National Health Insurance NHI for universal healthcare access in the long term. The security and cleaning support services, as well as project license communication office, are services that have already been insourced. Honorable House Chairperson, the Center for Public Service Innovation mandate, as articulated in the Public Service Act, has found expression in a number of strategic national programs. The COVID-19 pandemic has critically heightened the need to invest more resources in public service innovation. Honorable members, since 2020, August 2020, we undertook an exercise to reposition the Center for Public Service Innovation. This was done to determine a suitable organizational form which will enable the CPSI to deliver on its broadened mandate to drive innovation in the public service. The Honorable Minister for Public Service and Administration announced last year that the CPSI will remain a government entity, but will need to review and adopt an organizational structure suitable for the expanded mandate. To this end, the process to finalize a fit for purpose CPSI organizational structure is at its tail end. This is done with the primary objective to increase research and development capability among others, but most importantly, to ensure that the CPSI is fully capacitated to conduct extensive research, develop and replicate new solutions. In this financial year, the CPSI, CPSI will conduct innovation research, facilitate solution development, create knowledge sharing platforms, ensure unearthing and, re and recognition for innovation, facilitate replication and mainstreaming of innovative solution 
solutions, provide integrated corporate governance. The CPSI commits to replicate e-learning solution in some of the district development model municipalities to contribute to the implementation of the DDM. It will continue to participate in international public sector innovation programs in order to import global lessons into our local environment. The budgetary allocation for CPSI in this financial year is 42,576,000 rands. House Chair, as a consequence of the COVID-19 pandemic disruption on the convention work arrangements, the CPSI developed a number of in-house solutions to enable remote working. These include, among others, Honorable Scraber, an online COVID-19 screening form, an online bid evaluation and adjudication process flow and verification. These are currently being refined to be replicated by government departments. The CPSI, in partnership with the National Advisory Council on Innovation, conducted a rapid assessment of the state of public sector innovation. The survey has already indicated a number of organizational and systemic strengths and weaknesses, which will guide the future interventions of the CPSI. Honorable CP, I mean members, CPSI recorded successes. Just to mention a few, CPSI successfully hosted public sector innovation conference in 2020. It also hosted the 2020 Public Sector Innovation Award Program. Our 2020 Innovation Innovator of the Year winner is a government organization. The project ushered in a new system that allows applicants to register for SARS, UIF, and compensation funds, business bank account, and BEA application online in a single platform. The project overhauled the company registration process to a completely paperless environment. This saves time and money for many of our aspirant entrepreneurs. Relating to governance, the CPSI has once again achieved a clean audit third in a row. We also applaud the CPSI for keeping its COVID-19 related expenditure below 520,000 rent and within the treasury limits during the previous financial year. This expenditure was audited and no irregularities were identified. Honorable members, I wish to extend my appreciation to Minister Senzo Mtunu for his stewardship and visionary leadership towards a single professional public administration. I wish also to extend our appreciation to the Director General of DPSA, Yoliswa Makasi, and all heads and staff of the MPSA portfolio. Our honored public servants are also appreciated. We value your support and commitment in ensuring delivery of the strategic vision of the department, government, and the country. The ANC-led government commits to work tirelessly to consistently improve the implementation of ICT and innovation in the public service. We owe it to Istwalwandwe, Mama Chalot Makaike, to do this, for we belong, we care, and we serve. Honorable Scriber, DA, what DA does well is to falsify and lie about educational qualifications of its members, wherein matriculants claim to be advocates and to have a, a become degrees when they have only metric. Let me tell you, we have done something. Mm -hmm. In South Africa, we have electrified 84% of South Africa's homes. We have built 3.2 million houses in South Africa. We have eradicated illiteracy to the extent that nine out of 10 people in South Africa are able to read. 88% of South Africans have access to clean water 
and that is doing and this is what we have done if you intend and you plan not to see that it's your business continue with your falsified qualifications we'll do the work i thank you chairperson thank you honorable deputy minister i now invite honorable thring Honorable House Chairperson, the ACDP commends the Department on receiving a clean audit in the last financial year of the four consecutive years of financially unqualified audits. We acknowledge the difficult task this department faces, especially when a single entity must deal with multitudes of government entities that operate in silos. The department rightly, rightly acknowledges the need to manage the salary bill responsibly, and yet we also note that there are a large percentage of approved posts are not filled each year, which must hamper the ability of the department to meet their, meet their state objectives. With regards to the National School of Government, with almost a third of senior government employees not being properly qualified to occupy their posts, it is hoped that the NSG can go some way to fill this gap. It is gratifying to see that online courses had already been offered in 2019, and it is requested to take e-learning even further this year. The ACDP has long advocated for tertiary institutions to increase the availability of interdisciplinary degrees to cover financial and technology innovation, information systems and technology, and big data analysis. While understanding the difficulties presented by the lockdown, the ACDP would also like to see this school becoming self-sustaining. With regards to vote 11 and 12, the ACDP contends that many government employees no longer recognize their role as public servants. Qualifications become more important, but so also as, as important is the right temperament or attitude. We can no longer accept employees who plan or do enrich themselves at the expense of the people they serve. The strategic focus of the PSA is building a capable ethical and developmental state, promoting accountability and fighting corruption. The ACDP notes that the department thus acknowledges the need to self-correct, being aware of the problems of corruption and incompetence within the spheres of operation. We are also aware of the low morale by competent and caring government employees whose hard work is overshadowed by those who choose to abuse their positions of authority, both to enrich themselves and exert power over those they are meant to serve. ACDP has long stated that corruption will only be eradicated when South Africa has competent, trustworthy servant leaders who take seriously the stewardship of state resources and are passionate about improving the lives of all South Africans. We want to feel safe in the knowledge that our taxes are being used transparently, economically. House Chair, this is not the case. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Tring. I now invite Honorable Ntuli from the African National Congress. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, Honorable House Chairperson, Ministers and Deputy Ministers present, um, colleagues, DGs and departmental reps and fellow South Africans. It is a profound honor for me to partake in today's vote seven debate on behalf of the ANC. The ANC fully supports this vote. Firstly, let me take this opportunity to applaud the ANC government in celebrating the life of Mama Charlotte Mani Matwege as one of those lives that were lived 
away. NSG symbolically demonstrate part of the legacy of Mama Charlotte Mani Matwege. She was the first black South African woman to graduate with an, a university degree with BSc from Wilberforce University in Ohio, USA in 1903. She charted the way in fighting patriarchy and occupied her rightful space. She led in the church, uh, became a musician and a politician. Honorable Chairperson, NSG plays a pivotal role in rolling out courses and training programs relevant to government officials from entry level to senior management, as well as the executive. This indispensable task con contributes even, continued even under unpredictable and difficult conditions of the COVID-19 pandemic. The development of <clears throat> skills, knowledge and capabilities is essential in a developmental state as envisaged in the National Developmental Plan. Investment in human capital through knowledge and skills transfer increases overall productivity generate and generates a system of innovation that seeks to resolve challenges confronting the public sector. The NSG made it a point that all the basic values and principles are inculcated into the value system and performance of all public servants and representatives through education, training and development, ETD in initiatives. The Nukela program is one of NSG's flagship programs. It is a pre-entry to senior management services and also to co-conducted and also conducted on the new normals of the fourth IR, but also highly pushed by the COVID-19 pandemic as the online causes. Quite a sizable number had registered and a lot of officials had already qualified through this course. Over and above the Nukela program, NSG was able to make certain notable achievements which contributes towards the objectives of building the capacity for a developmental state. These programs include a um, supply chain management program, leading innovation in the public service, <coughs> and many more. We welcome the new training program called ETELA. It is an eight module course within a framework of initiative geared towards the enhancement of management, acumen and leadership capabilities of heads of, depart heads of departments and public entities in the capacity as accounting officers. Through ETELA and related initiatives, 
The NSG is supporting senior public officials to lead in a dynamic and uncertain environment and to make a significant contribution in growing the next generation of accounting officers. NSG also has partnership with international institutional bodies for the alignment of wealth class and modernization of public service. We will only realize that with a professional and qualified public servants and the NSG is the excellent vehicle for this dream to come true. It must be clear that all NSG causes and programs were aligned to government policy framework seeking to address quality service delivery and change the lives of the people of South Africa, particularly the previously disadvantaged, whom their last hope is the government of the day, which is the ANC. House Chairperson, this budget comes under very difficult circumstances muted by the COVID-19 pandemic, which resulted in various disruption that led to budget cuts and failure to generate the school revenue, which contributes enormously towards the work of the school. In conclusion, Honorable House Chairperson, we commend the leadership of the school for their proactiveness in responding to the reality of COVID-19 and attempting to come up with innovative solutions. The school aims at the revision of its funding model to ensure the generation of revenue through its training projects. The revised funding model will propose that a portion of national department's training budget be directed to the school to fund the mandatory uh, training it provides. I thank you, Honorable House Chairperson, and the ANC supports this budget vote. Thank you, Honorable Ntoli. I now invite Honorable Sibesi. Honorable House Chair, last year we had the Minister of Finance vow to reduce spending by about 300 billion over the next three years with the largest cuts coming from the public sector wage bid. Today, we see unions rejecting the cuts and we have not heard of any concrete plan from the Minister of Finance in addressing the demands of the unions as far as the fiscal is concerned. And the impact those demands will have on the fiscal if they were to be met or a compromise reached. We echo the same sentiment that getting to grips with the public service wage bill is as urgent as ever to slow down the worrying increase of our debt to GDP ratio. We cannot expect labor unions and public servants and office bearers to stomach wage freezes. But on the one hand, we have food prices and just general commodity prices increasing. Many South Africans' disposal income has reduced significantly. Needless to, to mention that our national saving rate is now surging on the negative. Since the COVID-19 pandemic, we have seen a steady increase in commodity prices. Though we understand that the fiscal is overstrained, but 
DTI should tighten up regulations to safeguard the increasing food prices by retailers and suppliers. Honorable House Chair, we can agree that our people need government assistance more than ever in these trying times. However, we cannot allow a situation where decisions are taken that will push the country into a fiscal cliff. We call on the Minister of Finance and Minister Mtunu to explain the rationale behind the decision to offer public servants a recurring cash graduate of 978 rand. While we have millions of our people who have lost their jobs due to pandemic, but government is feasible to table 1.5% increment accompanied by a cash gratuity, which will cost us a reported 15 billion. We are here signing off on, on budget votes and budget cuts are eminent across the board. We empathize with public servants solely on the basis that food, pri- food prices and general prices of com- With that said, bargaining councils and labor unions are aware that South Africa does not have money. The problem is that we have a capacity problem where leaders who do not understand the consequences of their decision and how they will impact the entire country. The NFP supports the budget vote. I thank you, House Chair. Thank you. I now invite Honorable Gondwe. Honorable House Chairperson, allow me to begin my contribution to the debate this afternoon with a quote from the late Senator Margaret Madeleine Chase Smith, the first woman in US history to serve in both houses of the US Congress. Senator Smith once said, and I quote, my creed is that the public service must be more than doing a job efficiently and honestly. It must be a complete dedication to the people and to the nation with full recognition that every human being is entitled to courtesy and consideration, that constructive criticism is not only to be expected, but sought, that smears are not only to be expected, but fought, that honor is to be earned, not bought. I close my quote. Honorable House Chairperson, our public service is regrettably still a far cry from this creed so aptly articulated by Senator Smith for the mere reason that it is currently characterized by, amongst other things, corruption and a complete and utter disregard or disdain for the legislation and regulations governing the public service. Honorable House Chairperson, in February this year, the Department of Public Service and Administration informed the Portfolio Committee that as of January 2021, there were 484 public service employees possibly conducting business with the state, notwithstanding that the public service regulations of 2016 prohibit public service employees from conducting business with the state. What is even more disheartening, Honorable House Chairperson, is that despite investigations being conducted in this regard, not a single, and I repeat, not a single public service employee has been prosecuted and convicted for conducting business with the state. I have to ask you, Honorable Minister, what exactly is your creed for the public service? 
what exactly is your creed for the public service? Because according to the Department of Social Development, almost 40,000, and I repeat 40,000 public service employees applied for the social relief of distress grant. This grant was most certainly not intended for public service employees who are drawing a monthly salary from state coffers. This grant was intended to provide some form or measure of socioeconomic relief to the most vulnerable and distressed members of our society in the face of the pandemic. But close to 40,000 public service employees applied for this grant. Furthermore, according to the Department of Social Development, 241 of these public service employees received this grant of 350 for the month of May 2020. And yet again, to date, no definitive or decisive disciplinary or legal action has been taken against the implicated public service employees. Honorable Minister, my creed for the public service is that public service employees who are found guilty of conducting business with the state and of unlawfully applying for and or receiving any SASA administered grant, including the SRG grant, should be summarily prosecuted and convicted or else these brazen and blatant acts of corruption within the public service will continue unabated and unchecked. My creed is further that the Department of Public Service and Administration should be playing a more pronounced and conspicuous role in rooting out these brazen and blatant acts of corruption. The DPSA, Honorable House Chairperson, should ideally be at the helm or the forefront of enforcing compliance by public service employees and individual government departments with the prescripts of the Public Service Act and the PAM Act and ought to also be looking into ways of holding them accountable, fully accountable when they don't comply with the prescripts of the Public Service Act and the PEM Act. Honorable Minister, I have to ask again, what is your creed for the public service? As government is set to spend a mind blowing 4.5 billion rand, rejuvenating over 6,000 public service employees who are currently sitting at home on suspension with full pay, pending the finalization of their dis disciplinary cases. After forking out 2.4 billion in the 2019-2020 financial year, the South African taxpayer is set to fork out another 2.1 billion to pay suspended public service employees who are sitting at home on full pay for the 2020-2021 financial year. My creed, honorable minister, is that the DPSA should be monitoring whether government departments are prioritizing the finalization of these disciplinary cases. The DPSA should also be exerting pressure on government departments to finalize these cases as they are placing an unjustifiable and undue burden on the taxpayer. I have to ask you again, honorable minister, what exactly is your creed for the public service? What exactly is your creed for the public service? I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Gondwe. The, the next speaker I invite is Honorable Lisoma. And before she comes, just to indicate that Honorable Nduli saved uh, three minutes, and therefore Honorable Lisoma will have 14 minutes. Honorable Lisoma? Thank you, Honorable House Chair. Uh, fellow South Africans, Minister, Honorable Minister Mtunu, Deputy Minister Mtunu, uh, Chikunga, Deputy Minister Chikunga, and all ministers and deputy ministers who are present in this platform, 
fellow South Africans, uh, DPSA team or family led by the DGs present in this platform. Allow me, Honorable Chair, to start by the housekeeping matters that it is quite humbling the, the reconfirmation of the and the trust and confidence that the South African has again demonstrated during yesterday's by-election. Out of 40 wards, ANC retained 27 wards. DA lost four. Others were missing in action. Speak with no sense of responsibility. However, we understand that those are parties who speak with no sense of responsibility, but we understand why they don't have any responsibility to govern and lead and direct this country. Guidelines, secondly, guidelines on the lifestyle audit on uh, Honorable Dr. Schreiber were done and approved in the past financial year. And now the department is working with the provinces and departments focusing on implementation. You know that it was reported at the portfolio committee level. The Public Service Commission is one of the institutions of democracy that is enshrined in the constitution, which must assist in the attainment of the NDP objectives and building a capable developmental state. The main task of the Public Service Commission is the maintenance of the effective and efficient public administration and a high standard of professional ethics in the public service. The Public Service Commission is, vest, is vested with custodian, custodial oversight responsibilities for the public service practices. It also has the power to issue directions regarding compliance with the personal procedures relating to recruitment, transfers, promotions and dismissals. The institution is also acts as a functionary of, of legislative authority that assists in carrying out oversight functions within the scope of public service as it were. In addition, its, its role also is to promote good governance and integrity in the public service and performing oversight functions also plays a developmental role that interacts with markets and non-markets players in order to craft programs aimed of affecting socio-economical transformation. Accordingly to their annual program, Public Service Commission, such as the moral regeneration movement to hold joint programs to focus on values and ethical challenges that confront the public service. The other example that we would like to demonstrate to, within the financial year 2019-2020 year that was, they held a seminar under the theme leading like a Mandela, dawn of the new era of ethical values based on conscious leader. The Public Service Commission also takes up campaigns that addresses some of the most fundamental challenges confronting our society, such as gender-based violence and femicide. Given the constitutional mandate of the Public Service Commission, raises ethics awareness through the promotion of code of conduct in the public service, ethical leadership, dialogue, and commemoration of the inter international events such as the International Anti-Corruption uh, Day. That's a demonstration and why the ANC support this budget vote. Value-driven public service, the overarching objective of the ANC in the creation of the National Democratic Society anchored by the principles of non-racialism, non-sexism, and democracy, this is a society that is an, is an antithesis to the, to, the, 
to the colonial apartheid society, which was based on marginalization and exploitation of Africans in particular. The public service must be driven by the values of national democratic society. And therefore our intervention should not only be aimed honorable members at compliance, but the advancements of these principles, the developmental state and the public service must be a macroscope, macrocosm of the society that we seek to create. This means that we must take full responsibility and, and, and propagate these values for society and the private sector to emulate. The inclusion of women in the decision-making process is of paramount, important, and this is something we expect the Public Service Commission to advocate. We welcome the report of the Office of the Public Service Commission, which annually reviews and submits the gender and disability mainstreaming program of action to the department. The report states, uh, the report that we received in January 2021 stipulates that the women are represented in the senior management level. However, there's still more work to be done in terms of, uh, of, of people living with disabilities. Although there is no public service wide target for the representation at the senior management level, we strongly believe that we can only attain the required target if we concentrate on building a strong cohort of middle managers with the required skills and capacity to be promoted to the senior level as it were. We also welcome the demonstrated commitment of the Public Service Commission to appointing the triple B, B, double E compliance suppliers. Since the last vote, which is the year that was, they, 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 they set aside 55.9% of the supplies were appointed by the Public Service Commission were in compliant. This is a way above the adjusted indicator that was agreed upon in July 2020 from 10% to 40%. BWBEE is an important instrument that is used by the developmental state to ensure the decentralization of the mainstream economy and ensure the participation of a new emerging players in the markets through the buying power of the state and its institutions as it were. Promotion of the code of conduct and accountability in terms of section 195 of the constitution, the public service commission is required to promote professional ethics in the public space, public service and administration, the values and the principles which must be propagated are spelled out in the, the term of the Batupili or in the Batupili transcript, which must be pro propagated and spelled out and, be, and, and the, the public service workforce must be able to walk the talk in terms of upholding the Batupili principles. Through the openness, consultation, service standards and transparency information and value for money. These are the values which must drive professional and ethical conduct in the public service. One of the principles we want to emphasize honorable members and honorable house chair is the issue of openness and transparency in the say in the public service. It is very important that we avoid conflict of interest in the public service and those who are in the senior management level are compelled to disclose their financial and other interests they may be engaged in. In disclosed financial and other interests they, they may be in terms of regulation 21.1 of B 
of A, of the Public Service uh, uh, Regulations 2016, the Public Service Commission is required to scrutinize the financial disclosure forms of members of the senior management throughout government, not only limited to themselves. The purpose of the scrutiny is to assess compliance with the requirement to disclose all financial interests and also establish whether the involvement of officials in any activities of the companies could lead to a conflict of interest. As we all know, honorable members, that public servants, it's illegal for them to do business with themselves, with the state. Honorable House Chair, one of the strategic uh, impediments to the creation of the developmental state is the challenge of corruption. As, as we all know, or we might know that, ANC in its 2017 National Congress Conference, we took a hardline stance against corruption and declared that an era of impunity was over. President Cyril Ramaphosa in the State of the Nation address for 2020-21 indicated the government had started the implementation of national anti-corruption strategy, which lays the basis for the comprehensive integrated society-wide response to corruption. The objectives of this uh, strategy, honorable members, one is reach, rejuvenate a national dialogue and direct energy towards practical mechanism to reduce corruption and improve ethical practices across sectors and among citizens in South Africa. Secondly, provide a robust conceptual framework and strategic pillars to guide anti-corruption approaches across relevant sectors in the country. Thirdly, support coordination between government, business and civil society efforts to reduce corruption and improve accountability and ethical practices. Lastly, not limited to provide a tool for monitoring progress towards a less corruption society. Hence, I would like to reconfirm to say the ANC is committed to, re, to, to root out corruption. I'm not too sure what honorable members from the DA were talking about. This is a demonstration of a committed government who's talk, talk, committed talk, to, walk the, to talk. walk the talk. We welcome that against the backdrop of the reports of personal protective equipment corruption in October 2020, the Public Service Commission hosted a visual roundtable, among others, addressing a implementation of the constitutional principle of efficient, effective, and economic use of resources in the procurement environment. B, the challenges experienced during COVID-19 within the procurement environment and the financial implications of these challenges on, on the fiscals. That was, this uh, uh, symposium was held to ensure that we uplift and we popularize our commitment and sensitize the, the South Africans and the public servants that it's illegal and it's not acceptable and it will never be acceptable for the public servants to do business with themselves, with the state. We therefore, honorable house chair and honorable members welcome and support this budget vote with all an overall budget allocation of 2021-22 uh, of 28, 282.4 million compared to 273.7 million in the year. In, in particular, that was been dedicated or, or, or allocated to program one, which is administration, and program four, which is very much important in the space. And, and my main theme of today to dealing with the uh, corruption, as it were, 
which is integrity and anti-corruption, which is 57.9 million that is allocated for this financial year. This is a practical demonstration, honorable house chair and honorable members that the public service commission together with the government, together with ourselves at the ANC, the, the, the leading party in government is committed to addressing the issues raised above in my, in, in my input. Does ANC, uh, honorable house chair, the ANC moves in support for vote 12 of the Public Service Commission, and I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Lisoma. I now invite the Honorable Minister, and I must say the Deputy Minister saved a minute, so you now have four minutes to conclude. Honors for you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable Chair. Um, on the PSC, um, I just want to say we will continue to support the PSC, one, as they continue to reposition themselves um, uh, to do more of their work on compliance and do it efficiently and as efficiently as possible. But on the other hand, we will also support them as they try to uh, deal with issues of integrity internally um, uh, as, as they improve in that area. Number two, I just want to um, uh, assure the honorable member, um, uh, uh, Gondwe, that uh, I think we take the points that uh, she has raised. Um, maybe we should uh, put more pressure on uh, EAs because it's not about PS, P, DPSA opening cases um, against those Sasa people, those, those people who defrauded Sasa and others who trade with the state. But it's more of each and every EA doing their job. Maybe all we need to do is to put more pressure for them to open uh, cases, but we take, we take the point. The last point, I would like to, to uh, request that uh, honorable members, um, Motsepe and Schreiber, maybe hold a meeting. Uh, so that they analyze what they want to say. Mozepe uh, says, uh, pay public servants. And Schreiber says, don't pay anything. Now, uh, I think the correct answer is neither of the above. Uh, but it is what we're saying, that there's a need to rationalize the public service space uh, and lend in a way where you apply the four principles that we highlighted so that everything that is that gets done there, including on determining remuneration, is done in a fair, equitable, and transparent uh, uh, manner. Uh, but uh, maybe to emphasize again that uh, the, the Honorable Member, uh, Mr. Schreiber, um, uh, need to um, do something about his ears and eyes. There's something that surely is not working when he says, there's nothing that is being done. Um, this, there must be something terribly wrong uh, 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 with regard to his senses. Uh, I think it, it got carried out by uh, just campaigning for local government instead of uh, debating and helping us to improve public service. With all that, sir, I thank you very much. Honorable Minister, just hold. Um, Honorable uh, Schreiber. Please open your camera. Chair, I'm losing Honorable, signal. I'm here. You can speak. You're not, 
Honorable Schreiber, please open your camera. Honorable Schreiber, I'm asking you to switch on your camera. I'm cutting in and out, check, and I assist. Honorable Schreiber, you deliberately opened your mic without getting any permission and interfered with the minister. I thanked him for his diagnosis. Thank you, Chair. Honorable Schreiber, I am addressing you. I will do this before I conclude, I conclude this business, such that arms as well as IT. Please remove Honorable Schreiber before we conclude this business. It's just a diagnosis. Thank you. Honorable members, honorable members, that concludes the debate of this uh, mini plenary and the business of today. The mini plenary will now rise. I thank you.